Hello, everybody, and welcome to Business Growth Secrets. You're with Adam Stott today. I've got a brilliant, brilliant guest that I'm super excited to introduce to you. He's won 45 championships in dancing. He is the star of Strictly Come Dancing, He's, uh, which is Neil Jones. I've uh, done some amazing things. He's got a business that he's running at the moment as well called Urban Ballroom. I've got loads and loads that we're going to talk about today, and I'm really excited to hear what he's got to say about running businesses, being on TV, how he's uh, building his personal brand and building his businesses. So welcome on, Neil. Brilliant to have you. Super yeah, Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Good to be here. We've got two gingers today as well. <laughs> it's, a, it's a positive. It's a great yeah, thing. Yeah, that's it. Right. And I see you've got uh, your tour. You've got a tour. You mentioned to me before we come on that your actual tour is called, what's it called? Ginger? It's got Ginger. Maybe there's a spot on that tour for me somewhere, Neil. <laughs> so good stuff. Now, really, really excited to have a chat. And what I wanted to do is obviously is you've achieved a lot, you know, a lot in your life in a lot of different areas. And that takes a tremendous amount of discipline. And you obviously work very, very hard. But what I wanted to hear, first of all, because many people have seen you on TV, no doubt, and certainly fans yeah. of your show, but maybe hear about the backstory to achieving those 45 championships, what it's been like and how you got into it and how you actually got into dancing in the first place. Be really yeah. interesting well, to hear. It's kind of a funny one because I actually started through my, well, through my mum and my sister. So my sister, I'm an army boy, like moving around. I was born in Germany, moved back to the UK, living on an army base. My dad was into me doing like football, judo, stuff like this. Um, but because my sister's a year older than me, she started doing some dance classes and my mum would just take me along, just easier to take me there. So I was there just watching, didn't really want to do it until my sister used to come home with a different trophy almost every single week. <laughs> and with the sill was jam packed with all of these trophies. And I was like, I think all of us in my family were all really competitive and, um, you know, I think with the football team, you know, if you do a tournament, get a trophy for that. With judo, we were getting the little lines on our belts, maybe change the colour of the belts. But, you know, I think I'd only entered one tournament and got a goal. So I was happy with that. But it was like one medal. And um, so I was like, I want to do that dancing stuff. I want some trophies. Um, I got into it through that, was doing it like normal after school stuff. And it wasn't until like, I think I was around about, I want to say 15, 16, finished school, and I was like, no, this is what I really want to get into. And I actually moved to Finland for a year. One of my coaches was Norwegian. And he said, he's got a really good friend in Finland and he'll be my coach and I should work with him. So I was like, okay. So I went across to Finland for the year. My mum, I don't know how she did it. She just like, go. My mum was always there for me, just like, go do it. So I learned a lot while I was in Finland, came back again to London. And then um, when I was 18, I moved to Holland. Um, started dancing with a Dutch girl. And the way the rules work as well within our industry is that you can represent a country as long as one of you is a national. Oh, wow. Right. So I, was I was English. We could represent Holland. Um, so started dancing with her. And our first year, we won the title. Nice. So we were Dutch champions then, four years running. Kind of came to an end. I think by the end of it, Four years together, then I danced with another girl who was actually second place behind me, danced with her. She then became the Dutch champion with me. My former partner then went back to being second. So it was kind of, I kept my position, she dropped. And then I was ranked at that time within the top six of the world. So everything was going really strong. 
at that point, my partner was older than me. So I got to about the age of 26 and she was, I want to say she was 31. So she was getting to the end of her career. She was wanting to have kids and all like this. So we stopped dancing together. And then I started dancing with Katya, who's also on Strictly with me. Um, we started dancing and within a year, we, we were already in the top six of the world again. Nice. We were British champions. And within, I think it was two years, we won our first world title. It was all from that. And then we was title after title. And I remember one point we were, I think it was three years running. We hadn't lost a single competition. Every single event we turned up to, wherever it was in the world, we won. So, yeah. But the thing is, you know, it almost with that summary sounds easy, but I bet it wasn't, right? Okay. So what kind of sacrifice is that to go? Because nobody really gets to the top of any field, do they, without working really, really hard? What was it like for you, that journey? I mean, you were away from home a lot. You traveled a lot. Why do you think you were able to go and succeed at that level? What were the kind of lessons that you learned along the way? I, do you know what I think it was? That number one, I remember being in a studio in London, there's a guy there who was doing the music and you're sat there and it was all the best dancers in the world. They all came there. And I was, I didn't have a partner at that time. So I was just like watching and I turned around to him and I said, one day I'm going to be a world champion. And there was someone else sat next to us and they started laughing. And I was like, no, I'm not joking. And he was the one that turned around and went, I believe you Neil. I believe it's going to happen. And I was like, it will happen. And it's exactly that. I moved away. I missed my sister's wedding sacrifice. I didn't go out like, for me, I actually didn't touch drinking any alcohol until I was 30, never touched a drop. So everything was, for me, was just focused on the competition and how to improve. I've worked every single job you could even think of. So nowadays when I hear people, I don't know, they want fame or they want something and they start talking, oh, but it's so hard, you know, because it's so expensive. And I'm like, well, are you working? And they're like, oh no, I'm not working because I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. And I look at them and I said, I had like three jobs while I was training. I learned how to make dresses to save money. To, so I made my partner's dresses. I made my clothes. Every single thing you could think of, I was looking. And I never thought about it being a business. But I was learning how to cut costs, make as much money as I could at the same time, just to pay for my dancing. So really, the focus is the key there, isn't there? I always say focus beats intelligence or skill because the skill could be built can't yeah. it you know and the intelligence comes with the focus so yeah. you know without a shadow of a doubt that focus can get people to where they want to go i love the fact that you verbalized it and you said this is what i want to do this is what i want to become and i think you find that from a lot of people that have created a lot of success is they're not afraid to go and say it and it's kind of like that declaration is what helps it to come true isn't it you know yeah. and yeah. you know keeps, keeps you driving well well done you know so amazing amazing accomplishments how did um, you then transit? Obviously, you then you did your work, you mastered your craft, and you spent all that time focusing and building and focusing and building. And you said you didn't drink a drop till 30, which is really good. I think alcohol can be a big distraction for a lot of people. Yeah. What happened where you transitioned into working in TV and things? Because that's massive for you. You know, it's taking you to, because a lot of the, even the world championships with the dancing, you'll have fame in that area, wouldn't you? Like a cult yeah. following. But this yeah. has actually got you out to, the world isn't it really yeah. well it, it is a massive thing because the good job is i don't have an ego because the amount of times as well when you're <laughs> doing strictly and i remember when i first joined and that was the first year there was like pros that didn't get celebs so they wanted extra pros to be extra dancers and um, i'd already worked 
in the background with Strictly for I want to say three years before that. So we were still competing and they asked if we could come on and help some of the choreographers or we could do choreography ourselves. So we were doing that because we were coming to the end of our career. So I already set a goal for myself. I said, I want to win this one more world championship. That was our goal. But at the same time, I knew what I wanted to do in the future. I said to myself, I want to be a choreographer. I want to work with music videos. I want to do this. So I knew the next stage would be that. So that's why we slowly started crossing over. Instead of just going, forget it, that's gone. We started doing the crossover until we worked with it, understood the industry a little bit better, understood how it works to be in front and behind camera. And then we're ready, you know, then we were ready to transition over to come away from the competitive world. Still there, events are on if they need us for something, if we're teaching, not a problem. But to then move into this new industry and this new world, which like you say, it, it just brings so much more. It just, it opens up everything. Massive opportunities. And obviously we're talking about some of those opportunities that you, you've taken and you know, you're building upon. And we go there in a sec, but we'll ask you a bit, but for the Strictly fans, I'll ask you a couple of questions on that. Who's been the best people to kind of work with or the most entertaining or what have you enjoyed about the show? It is exactly what you said. Like, I've always been this person that like, I love football massive fan always have um actually george best he used to be at our local that's where he used to sit and you kind of got bored of him after a while because he was telling the same stories and the reason he would tell you the stories is he'd, he'd be like buy me a pint and i'll tell you a story you know <laughs> that's how we worked so i don't know from it almost from a young age i didn't really care so much about if someone was famous or not it was more to do with who they were as a person and having an interesting conversation. And I have to say, like being on Strictly, you're among so many different people from different areas. Like I danced with Judy Murray and me and her have the best conversations about training, about how you're training different people, just mentality. And when you see what she's been through and what Andy and his brother have been through, you just like, fair play. Right? And also Alex, Dance with Alex, so strong, you know. And She's a character, isn't she? You know, um, yeah. you know, do you know what it is? It's exactly that, what we're just saying. Yeah. They're confident people. Yeah. And they know what they want and they're not sidetracked by any of the little things. They're not sidetracked by fame. They don't care for any of that. They're focused on what they want to do in their lives and they will just keep pushing towards that. And that I have a lot of respect for. No, brilliant stuff. Yeah, I saw a couple of, before we come on, I watched a couple of the interviews you had with Alex and they seemed like, you you know, you got on really well there as well, yeah? Really nice lady. No, good stuff. Okay, so what you've done is obviously built this great career. You've gone into the media, the TV, you, you broke onto it. What was it like when you got the first call up to start working and dancing? Was you, you know, how, how did that feel? Yeah, you know, it's like I said, it was quite a good thing because I knew, this way I was talking about the ego side because... I knew that was a step in the door, you know, to what I want. The side of ego though, right? In a way that actually you want to perform from a dancing perspective, not the fame stuff. But exactly. actually, you know what? I'm going to be on TV and I'm a world champion. I want to show what I'm made of. Yeah. Surely that comes in, right? Yeah, that comes in. Um, but I had a, through a lot of my friends who are also top dancers. And the first thing they said to me is like, why are you going to do that TV show? Like you're a world champion. Why would you do that? And, and I was like, if you don't get it, you don't get it. There's no point me even explaining it to you. Just go away and think about it. Yeah. And the next thing that started happening, because for a few years I didn't have a celeb partner, 
I was also getting from my friends, well, you're not going to do it next year if you don't get a celeb, are you? You're not going to do it again, are you? Why would you do that to yourself? And I remember one of my friends turning around to me and I can't remember what he said, but he said something down the lines of, he's like, you're a world champion. You're the best at what you do. You're then going on to a TV show, which they're not giving you a partner. So you're on the sideline. He said, that's like having Ronaldo on your bench when you play for Grimsby or something. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, nah, I was like, look, I was like, I like the show. I like everyone to do with the show, the production. I said, as long as I'm enjoying myself, I will be on that show because it's a good place to be. And I said, and also it's good for what I do because it does bring you profile. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great attitude to have as well. And actually a really good lesson for people listening is like sometimes people could be, their patience can really be an enemy if they're not patient and they, you know, stop doing something too soon or they let their ego get in the way of what they're doing. It can absolutely destroy opportunities, can't it? Yeah. Sounds to me like you you kept it cool and, you know, you waited for the right moment and the, and the opportunities came, which is yeah. awesome, right? So yeah. then you've used that profile in a really clever way to go and start different businesses, haven't you? And I think, you know, when we spoke prior to coming on, you know, I'm always a big believer and, and I tell people starting businesses, focus on the skills that you've got. If you've got certain skills or there's certain passions, things that you enjoy, if you can go and you can monetize them and earn money from them, then it's a no-brainer because you never work a day in your life. You're just having fun, right? Yeah. And you said the same thing to me before we come on in that it was just a natural thing for you to go into. So did you want to talk to us a bit about Urban Ballroom and tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. well, I've, I've gone like, I've been doing it for a while and I've gone down different routes with it. So the main thing I started, because I love creating choreography. So the whole thing was trying to fuse ballroom dancing, but make it a little bit more modern so we could get more people interested in what we were doing. And it was all about creating choreography. But during lockdown, a lot of people, everyone was going online. Um, and I used to do these classes at different studios. Um, and then, of course, everything went on to Zoom. It was like, great, perfect. So I'm getting people that I might not have ever seen before. They were coming on to the Zoom classes. But what I started realizing was the average age I was having on there, I've got a mixture. I've, I've got some people in their 60s, 70s, all the way down to like a 14-year-old. Like, they're all coming into the same class. But on average, it's more middle age. And then I was kind of understanding that some of the things I was doing in the choreography were a little bit too much. It was better for higher level competitors. Yeah. But what I started to realize was I was actually enjoying teaching like the men, the women, teaching them the knowledge that I had and I could give them. So some days we do a piece of choreography to push them. Other days we might just be going through basic things, knowledge, so we started building up this community that also now we've put onto Instagram and yeah, and they can come on to there and there's a membership and they just learn everything they want to know about dance. Brilliant. The one of the things I will say from a lot of the podcast interviews I've done, some of the people who are creating real great success are those that are creating communities, you know, and I think that is definitely in, we're in a bit of a digital movement now. What a lot of people are looking to do is be a part of something in some way. Right. Yeah. So how have you found that the community supported each other? And for someone that's thinking of doing something similar, maybe in a different niche, in a different area, what would you say the benefits of having a strong community are in business? Well, you know as well, we've gone through all of these different elements where, say even a barber, yeah? I remember the time when you just wanted to get in for a haircut and you wanted it to be fast. 
It's like, I need to be in, just cut my hair, come on. You don't talk to them. You're like, yeah, good, I'll see you. <laughs> now you're going there and they're like, do you want a drink? You know, they're having a conversation with you and you're trying to relax and have your moment because it's a wind down. It's yeah. feeling relaxed. And for me, that's the same thing with the community in any business. When you're learning, you understand more from more people because they've experienced it. And as great as it is that you want to go out there and do something on your own and say, I'm the new Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. Or Gary Vee or something like that. Everybody, even all of those have a team behind them. And those people have always had some type of experience. And all of them are trying to build a community. Like myself, I've got a Tesla. And I love driving it. But the one thing I felt with it is there is a community within Tesla as well. You come to charge and there's always someone, you know, they're all there. And it's kind of like they wave to each other, you know, when you're driving by, you know, you have that. And, you, and all of a sudden you go, this is quite nice. I feel part of something. And I think that's important in business. It's for many years and different things that we just feel isolated. We just feel that someone's taking the money. See you later. Don't care about the service. And I think service is key. And if you can manage to find a way, at the end of the day, it's about making money as well. But you can't just take, you've got to give. And the more you learn to give in different ways, I feel that that can really help with uh, monetizing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at that. You know, look at that, what you just said about the Tesla, right? So you come out of that and you don't drive a Tesla next time around. That community is also gone, isn't it? You know, it's a fantastic way to actually keep you in the product and actually upgrade the product to say, you know what, I'm going to go for this one next because you know what, I'm not going to get that same feeling. I'm not going to get that same community. And I think it definitely increases the lifetime value of a client where somebody wants to stay with you, not even necessarily because of the Tesla, but because of the community, the brand that goes with it and everything you get from it. You know, it's not necessarily about what a product costs. It's not necessarily about what you spend, but how does that product make you feel? Yeah. You know, if that product makes you feel great, you're going to want to keep coming back for more of it, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And I suppose it's the same with the dance, isn't it? You know, what do people get out of becoming a member? So when they become a member with you and they start doing these classes, I mean, obviously they're getting the top training from somebody that's got proven pedigree. But what do they get out of that community? Do they get a great feeling? Do they get to help? Do they, do they, what do they do it for? Do they do it to train to become better dancers or do they do it to find some way of exercising? I'm just trying to, you know, understand. Yeah, it. No, it is. Everything you just mentioned there, it's all of it. Because I've got so many different people from different like walks of life that are saying I've just started this because I want to get fit again or someone said I used to dance yeah, just come on and say look I just want to get my TikTok dances on point oh, <laughs> you get that as well you get it you know and then you yeah. start understanding because I'm doing a lot with TikTok now and then I start seeing as well the same thing that actually I teach some of the TikTok dancers in my classes because then they take that home and they've got somewhere to put it. Why get it out there, haven't they, you know? Yeah, yeah. so it's everything, you know, confidence. Yeah. Because so if someone goes to a class, they're in a room with people they don't know. They always stand at the back. They're a bit worried because they're like, oh, that person's good and they're good and they get nervous. Now they're in their living room. They can turn their screen off if they want so no one has to watch them. Yeah. They can learn how to dance. Yeah, it's actually really, uh, you know, some as I said, you know, this pandemic, COVID, all of it has created some massive differences. And, you know, as much as it is, it's definitely nice to go out to a dance class and meet people and get to know people and to do that. It's also really nice to be able to dip your toe in the water when you're not super confident 
and get the skills, and then maybe you feel more confident to go to a class, right? Down the yeah. line as well. Exactly. You know? Yeah, 100%. And we find that a lot with what we do. We do webinars right now where we also always used to do live events, but now we'll do an online training. And, you know, you meet so many people through the online training now that probably wouldn't have come out to a day event, but they will come online, you know, invest an hour and a half, couple of hours. And I think it's a big thing for business. And I think every single business, you know, if you're listening to this right now, you've got to be looking at how do you put a proportion of your business online? Because at the end of the day, the internet's open 24 hours a day. All right. And if you want to make more money, you need to have your shop open 24 hours a day, wouldn't you? As yeah. well, you know, that opportunity. So without a doubt, very, very important. Now, so it's really cool stuff. So what's next for you then, Neil? I've got a couple other questions that I want to ask as well. But what kind of, where do you see things going next? Well, we keep the thing is with any company, it's it's trying to build it up. Like I'm always talking to everybody there, like, you know, what are they missing? What do they want to see more? What can we do more? So always that side, I'm always playing around and trying to, I don't know, a certain email might come in with questions and I'm going, great, I didn't think about that. Let me do that. Let me get that side and trying to build it up. And then there's always other little projects. Like everyone knows I'm in my heart. I'm a creative. That's what I am. The amount of times my friends have said to me that you need to be there and people should just pay you for ideas for whatever (laughs) come into my head. And I don't have enough hours in the day to get them out. So for me, one of the major things I've had to find is focus. Is the same focus you I have. Do that in the dancing, and you see how powerful that can be. And you know, if you can do, if that comes into business, you'll be unstoppable, won't you? Unstoppable, yeah. It's interesting that you've sort of transitioned into business quite quickly. There is there things that you've studied? Have you had mentors? Have you had people that give you guidance? Do you read books? I think it's just really good for other people to hear if there's some practices that you've put in place to try and push yourself yeah. in that area? You know, a lot of things I've taken, like I said, from what I was doing in the dancing and the type of training, one of the major ones is the mental side. As a dancer, you know, we go for everything. We're learning how to dance, but we're also going into physio because, and not just prevent, like, you know, recovery, but also prevention. But then also we've got the sides of the mental side. And a lot of people don't think about that that you need to talk to people who have nothing to do with what you're doing, sometimes just to hear your own thoughts. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And this, this is an important side, and that's a great investment. A lot of reading, a lot of stuff I, I look is online as well. I get some books, but even like I'm big on social media, how it works. And the problem you've got with books, they're outdated as soon as they come out. You know, they're already behind. So. I found that doesn't work for social media, but just looking online and also people you follow. I tend to follow a lot of business stuff online just to hear. And, and there's a few things there as well, like that we were discussing with my friend before at school. You do all these subjects at school to learn. And I didn't go to college or university or anything. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's life. But I wish at school we actually talked about not saving, but investing. Yeah, definitely. There's so many topics at school that they that are totally out. You know, they want to teach you algebra, but they don't want to teach you business. It's crazy, isn't it? I think school's very much geared to academic people. Take an exam, they see how many you got right, how many did you remember? It's not necessarily geared towards creative people. You know, creative people operate in a different way, don't they? And and I think creativity is a massive thing in business. Being able to create something out of nothing and make it happen 
is what business is all about. And that's why a lot of people that are really academic struggle in business, but more creatives, they're not afraid to fail as well. So if you're a creative person, you're going to go in and you go, well, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And you need that mentality to go, well, I'm going to do everything I can to make it work and I'm just going to go for it. And you put that stuff in place, you're going to go and get better results, aren't you, you know? Yeah, Dev, it's, it's 100% like that. You've, and it's all trial and error. It's like testing things out, test the water, see how it works. Absolutely. If yeah. people like it, they don't like it. And so I used to, there was a period I lived in Hong Kong through the dancing. And one thing I noticed with Hong Kong is I would be there every month and I could go away, come back three weeks later and one shop had disappeared and a new shop was put in the same place. And realize that they're really quick, that they, when a business doesn't work, they go gone next. They don't waste time. They don't hang on to it. It doesn't, in a way, you've got to be passionate about it, but they don't become emotional about it. Yeah. Well, that's a really key point because in business, you know, emotions, your business doesn't get emotional about you, does it? And I find that people get emotional about their business, but you don't get the emotion back from the business. So yeah. you just can't put the emotions aside and definitely work from logic without a doubt. Yeah. So why don't we, uh, just before we finish up, talk about your, your tour. You know, I said that you'd, uh, it's been put back. Tell them what's actually happening on the tour. What, what, what is the show about? What's it like? And when's it coming? I'm really into creating and I've created tours. Like I've, um, I've directed and did the choreography for other people's tours. And I've done one myself, which I put in Sadler's Wells. And basically we were the first ever Latin show to be ever performed at Sadler's Wells. So that was one of the things that business-wise, it wasn't a great move because we lost a lot of money. <laughs> Still, it's something I know for the future, it was an investment to be known as the first creator to put a Latin show in Sadler's Wells. You'll never get that back. So yeah. that, that's done. Then I sat down with a, a producer because I produced my own show and I just said look I want to work with you I want to co-produce this show and he was like all right well tell me about it and I said look I'm still creating it I'll just tell you the name and he was like what's the name I went Gingerland and he went yes I'm in I'm in I'm done and yeah so Gingerland uh, now I've, I've wrote the whole thing it is exactly what it says it's a made-up world where all gingers come from and um, <laughs> gingerbread there's, you know, there's gingerbread people, there's the, the fairy ginger mother, there's everything. It's a kind of feeling like panto meets musical. We've got, we've got our own, created our own music for it. And it, it talks about where gingers come from, facts about gingers, the myths about gingers, you know, singing, dancing, comedy, it's everything. It's, yeah, if you're ginger- That's pretty cool, you know? Sounds really, really good. And that's coming out in February, March next year, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Awesome stuff. So just to finish off then, Neil, from your entire career, winning world championships, going through the process of like literally getting onto TV, building a personal brand, starting businesses, all the things that you've done, what kind of th three tips would you give? What would you say three lessons along your way? And you might have alluded to a couple of them already, but you know, what were the three things you would, three bits of advice you'd give a business owner or somebody starting a business to make sure that they could go and grow? Definitely love the process. Nice. Love the process. Whether it's good or bad, that's what you've got to fall in love with. You've got to, I fell in love with when I was competing, not the winning. I fell in love with actually trying to get to the top. Yes. So whatever business line you're doing, fall in love with that side, the creation of your product, the getting out there, trying to sell it, you know, things like that. Fall in love with that moment rather than just the money. I love Don't, that. Pretty good tip, yeah. 
Don't give up. Never quit. No matter where you feel you are with it, choose a different line. That doesn't matter, but just never quit. You're never too old. One of my students in Hong Kong, her mum still goes into the office. They're the owner of the company, still going to the office, and she's 102. So <laughs> just, if it's in your blood, it's in your blood. Like, keep going no matter what. And find things that you love to take your mind away from it every now and again as well. So I actually have some other hobbies that you can enjoy. Yeah, because those you might find that those hobbies become your new business. So some great advice there from Neil. Neil, you've been an amazing guest, been super fun, loads of value there for if you've been listening tonight. Make sure you remember to go and give us a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to, and keep tuning in for the best guests, the uh, most up-to-date business content, some amazing tips. Neil, you've been a fabulous guest. Good luck with your tour. Good luck with the business, Urban Ballroom as well. Go and follow Neil on Instagram. If you're not already following me, make sure you follow me too. What's your Instagram handle, buddy? Uh, Mr. Underscore N. Jones Official. Okay, Mr. Underscore N. Jones Official. Go and drop him a follow so you can learn more about all the stuff he's got coming up. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. And thank you again, Neil, for being a fabulous guest. Cool.